0: Cam, and you're listening to the Book Review, where we strive to broaden your fantasy horizons. Today, Katie and I are going to be bringing you The Song of All by Tina LeCount Myers, a fantasy novel based on a Finnish fairy tale. Before we get to the episode itself, I'm going to give you the usual spiel. You can reach us on Facebook at the page of The Book Review, on Twitter at Nerdbook Review. You can email us at gmail at nerdbookreview at gmail.com and see reviews on Goodreads and Amazon as well. Just look up Nerdbook Review. Once again, I am going to ask you to be so kind as to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or whatever platform you happen to listen to this. As I always say, it is just as important for us as it is for the authors That uh, the more reviews we have, the more likely our name is to come up on the search bar on whatever platform you're listening to us. The last bit of news is this week, as I have said, it's going to be the song of all. After that, we will have our last Spiffbo interview, uh, Brett Herman, and his book Chaos Trims My Beard. After that, we're looking like probably Jade City, uh, From Unseen Fire, and Ancillary Justice are the next three after that. Um, It's always open to some possible changes here or there. Uh, After that, we will get into a few more interviews. It's also possible we'll add an interview here or there that might uh, push some of these other books back by a week or so as we uh, try to get that little bit more uh, balanced interview and book review option. All right, I'm going to quit talking at you and start talking about the book with my wife, Katie. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Katie. And this is the Nerd Book Review. Today, we will be bringing you The Song of All by Tina LeCount Myers. I will give you the book info real quick, and then Katie, would you like to do the book blurb or you want me to do it?
1: I can probably manage it.
0: Okay. Okay. It is the first book in the Legacy of Heaven series. It is 452 pages long. It was published in February of this year, 2018, by Nightshade Books. I do believe it is her first novel. Actually, this came to my attention. Her publicist got a hold of me. She actually has the same agent as Deborah Wolfe. So that's kind of how they got, uh, got this to us. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. getting okay, The book reads. The good reads blurb.
1: Okay, it's a long one. It is. A former warrior caught between gods and priests must fight for the survival of his family in this dark epic fantasy debut set in a harsh Arctic world inspired by Scandinavian indigenous cultures. On the forbidding fringes of the tundra, where years are marked by seasons of snow, humans war with immortals in the name of their shared gods. Irian, a human warrior, is ruthless and lethal. A legend among the brethren of hunters, even the legends grow tired and oh, but even legends grow tired and disillusioned, scarred and weary of bloodshed. Irian turns his back on his oath and his calling to hide away and live a peaceful life as a farmer, husband, and father. But his past is not so easily left behind. When an ambitious village priest conspires with the vengeful comrades Irian has forsaken, the fragile peace in the northlands of. Okay, Daviana is at stake. I don't know. Did they ever even That's say that? Well, yeah. oh. I don't know. <laughs> his bloody past revealed, Irian's present unravels as he faces an ultimatum return to hunt the immortals or lose his child. But with his son's life hanging in the balance, as Irian follows the tracks through the dark and desolate snow-covered forests, it is not death he searches for, but life. That was long.
0: It was long. Um, I'm going to give my quick take. A gripping tale of a human man and an immortal woman whose life <laughs> will be changed forever with the birth of her child.
1: Sure. <laughs> All right.
0: So, um, real quick... I actually feel like the blurb, which I assume is also the book blurb, is a little too descriptive for what I would prefer.
1: I don't know. I generally don't even bother reading them anymore. I just read what you tell me to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very true. So, uh, first things first, Um, Tina LeCount Myers, um, she is of Finnish ancestry. Her family is Finnish. Uh, I know her, uh, th- I, I believe she was born in the U.S., but her parents weren't, at least her mom for sure. And um, in fact, I think I read a, an article she wrote a while back that the only living family she has is still in Finland. I believe she was born in the U.S. They spent some time, I know, in Mexico when she was a child as well. They were kind of, sounded like they had a bohemian upbringing where they were all over the place.
1: Well, that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Sorry. So this book then is based off of a Finnish fairy tale. And that's where the uh, the basis comes from. So that's kind of where where I were one of the reasons why I thought that it was more of like a literary fiction than a true fantasy in some aspects. But I know you ha- you disagree with me on that. So we'll talk about that a little bit more as things go on. What were your first thoughts about the book? First of all, Katie and I both listened to most of the book on audiobook. Names could be super difficult, and I think that the only reason that I even remember some of the names like well or know how to say them is because of the audiobook. These are uh, like finished names and so there are there seem to be a lot more uh, consonants than is entirely necessary at times. Yeah. And the uh, names can be can be difficult. Um I think that I'm um, I actually only read two chapters of the book and the rest I did on audiobook. Um I usually do, uh, I usually, even when I do listen to audiobooks, for the most part, I'll try to read at least a couple chapters just so that I get a feel for how the actual writing is. And, um, the writing itself is very, very beautiful, very, uh, flowing, I guess. Like, um, flowery is not like the appropriate way to say because there's not a bunch of, uh, spare words that don't need to be there. And that's kind of what I imagine when I, when I hear flowery. But it's, it's just, uh, I guess it's a beautiful writing is the way i would put it without getting too much more into yeah um what do you think
1: of <laughs> <laughs> um i listened to the whole thing in audiobook because uh unless it's easily linked up which this one wasn't i have a hard i don't like having to search through and uh find where i am so this is actually the first time i've seen some of these things even spelled out yeah uh <laughs> but yeah i i don't know i enjoyed the like i guess norwegian aspect of it the kind of the snowy and like the snowy landscape and the whole like what were they elk or i can't remember reindeer what oh reindeer yeah i couldn't remember because they called them something else yeah but uh like Like there's a bunch of like it's very descriptive of the different things that people could do in the world i guess at least a certain amount of them
0: yeah and the um what's funny too is i had troubles at the very beginning because the village itself uh, daviana is kind of described as dreary and i kind of saw it as siberian and i didn't imagine the trees at the beginning until you know i got into it a little bit more and i have always said I have trouble with with that barren landscape the way I view things it just seems too uh, bleak and uh, but once they get on their journey and you get into the forest mm-hmm. then I imagined it as a really beautiful place like you know snow covered but with the green trees from the evergreens and I just this seemed really pretty in my mind once they got out of that first village yeah okay so the basic premise of the story, um, we have two races. The Olmos. That
1: was like the Olmush.
0: The Olmush. Yes, yeah. you're right. Sorry. It's spelled O-L-M-M-O-S. The Olmush. They are the humans. And the second race is called Yep uh
1: Meme?
0: meme <sighs> Yep Yep Yes. Sorry. As I said, there. this one has... The word is spelled J-A-P-M-E-M-E. Like meme. E... Or so then... Atun, so it's J-A-P, so Jap, Meme, Atun. That's how it is spelled. Um, <laughs> but the uh, humans call them the Yapmea. The Yapmea, tune, though, consider this a slur, so they do prefer the full uh, full version of it. <laughs> they are basically, they reminded me of elves. They're almost immortal, a- like aging-wise, but they, uh, you know, they can be killed just as easily as a human can when it comes to violence.
1: I didn't really see them as elves and I think it's I don't even remember if there was ever a description of them being physically different but they definitely are because it's immediately apparent to a human when it's someone is not a human but I couldn't I couldn't get an actual like visual difference in my head but I really liked the way they kind of had a different life cycle yeah like they weren't just ageless and like living for hundreds and hundreds of years. they went through very specific life cycles,
0: yeah and do you think they're probably too uh spoilery to actually describe that?
1: yeah, probably
0: yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't think we should should get any farther into that, but it it was a it was a cool aspect that did make them um, very unique. I don't know th- I mean I know that this is a Finnish fairy tale, but I don't know that I've seen this in other stories that I've that I've read where they have the you know, this specific life cycle.
1: Yeah, it seemed unique to me.
0: Yeah. So we're going to have we're going to have, I don't know, probably five or six point of view characters, but only two of them will be the main characters. Uh, the others will be will get their points of view here and there. Um, so we talked about Erian. He was a human. He was raised as a child by the brethren who were in order formed between the wars during the, the humans and the Yetmia? This happened about two generations ago, like when the wars kind of uh, came to a halt and they still did a lot of fighting, but it wasn't like, you know, like major, major battles anymore.
1: Yeah, and um, it goes back and forth between calling them the brethren, the hunters, and the picky. Yeah. So even with the humans, uh, when it's in another... Uh, Ailun, one of the Yatma-Meatuns, she goes back and forth between thinking of him as an Olmush and a Picky, like every other sentence.
0: (laughs) Yep. And so the brethren, their job is to hunt the Yatma-Meatun. Irian had been the most successful of the hunters, and uh, he did a lot of killing, and then he grew tired of the killing, went and became a reindeer hunt, uh, herder. And then after that, where we kind of get into the story with him, he is a farmer who is married. Uh, he actually married a farmer's daughter. And then um, once when he died, he kind of took over. Um, then, and had a son. Oh, yes. And had a son. Um, as the Had a son as the initial, uh, the book Goodreads review describes. Uh, the second main point of view character is uh a yap mia (laughs) i cannot say it yeah
1: if i could hear it again i'd be able to do it but it's been a while we're just gonna
0: even if it's a slur (laughs) we're gonna call him the yap mia (laughs) and will you tell us about her
1: um her name is Iloon, and she's pregnant and for the yap mia when they give birth they go on their own on a journey to their origin which i always just assumed was where she was born yeah that's what I, I think I that's what it is but i mean yeah. from the very the first time it said origin that's what i assumed so yep um and so and they even say like oh yours is going to be difficult because it's in the middle of winter basically sucks for you <laughs>
0: well and and it, not only that but it's in the middle of winter and the area where she was born is now a human controlled area too, yeah. So it, that makes it more difficult as well than than you know, like in the past.
1: Yeah, and they meet. They meet another scheduled to meet another at their origin, but they don't. There's not a whole lot revealed to them about how the process happens or what goes on. And so for her, I feel like it's kind of this, and especially she's supposedly young for her for their race in giving, having her first birth. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, she's on this journey all by herself through the, you know, winter f- trying to stay hidden and trying to find this other person and figure out what's going on.
0: Yep. And so um, the, yeah. And then, like I said, there, there'll be several other uh, like smaller secondary uh, characters who will have points of view, but none, but i don't know what do you think like 60 70 percent at least is is between the two of these them
1: yeah and i actually really liked the small amounts that you got of other characters i thought it gave a lot of insight even to i can't jorn i think was one of the other characters that we had a little bit of
0: he's the other uh yeah
1: he's another yatmeya and then you also get a little bit from um i think his wife the like the priest, oh, yeah, you some do, other yeah. people in the village, like just even little tiny snippets that really help you know what's going on because you don't have one overall point of view to show you what's happening in those areas,
0: yeah. And you know, I will say this, like once you mention that, I don't know, even like I guess their points of view would be like the closest thing you could call to a info dump, but they're not info dumps. there I don't think there was any point where there was just like one sit down chapter where they just dumped everything on you it was no. slowly revealed throughout the book
1: yeah everything it would and there was in kind of things were kind of mysterious but it was never annoying to me not knowing something yeah she never took it to the point where like well if she'd already explained that then i would
0: but yeah and the, and there while there's obviously tons of surprises, there weren't any like crazy twists or they're, yeah. they're, I mean, they're okay. So that's a lie. There is one pretty big twist, but it's not like the kind of twist where you're like, moving along and you think you know everything and then all of a sudden, s- something completely different comes up and you're like, Oh, man, everything I thought I knew was true wasn't wasn't true. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, they're, not,
1: they're not like in a village in the middle of modern world or anything, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, oh, and then, you know, we haven't mentioned this at all, but we probably uh, definitely have to, is that the Yatmaea, they have, and they, call, they say it's ability from the gods, but they have the ability to um, blend into what they call the song of all. Mm, you think that's a...
1: I wouldn't talk about that too much.
0: Okay. But it's important to the novel.
1: I mean, that's the name of the novel, so it's obviously yeah, it's important, on. but um, it's slowly revealed what it is. Uh, Erian kind of hints at it early on when he's talking to somebody else about kind of having an an un- un- understanding about it. And then it's, you kind of slowly get more and more information about what that actually is.
0: And one thing that I really liked about like the interaction too, between the two, um, between Eryon and, um, is it? Eilun, Eilun, Eilun. Yeah, Um, is that? I really felt like she did a good, really good job of having both the masculine and the feminine with the two of them. So I just feel like Irian does such a great is is a great masculine character, even though he's very emotional and you know a complete character or a complete human. Complete character is the right word to use there in this in this instance, since he also is a human, which it matters in this. But that, you know, um, and then also Aiyun, um, Ailun? Ailun. Yes, man, I can't believe I'm having such so much trouble with these names.
1: It just reminded me of the moon. Yeah. oh yeah, Sorry, yeah. I always remembered
0: it. So I, and Iloon was was, she's pregnant, and she cares, you know, we get to see her caring about her, thinking and caring about her unborn child. And just the life that she's had and the life and what scares her and things like that. And same with, with, um, Erian and we see his own fears too, but I, I really liked the, the having the one male and one female main character.
1: Well, and as you mentioned, he has been this warrior who has, you know, kind of tried to settle down and she was studying to be a healer. So it's also just, I mean, even after her, that what she goes through, she, could conceivably go back and continue to be a healer. So it's kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum with that too.
0: Yeah. And um, like I said, I mean, this obviously has its fantasy elements, but I still see this as more of like a literary fiction than like the traditional story driven fantasy. This is character driven for sure. And, you know, I mean, you're you, like I said, there's some magic involved, but you're not going to have mages throwing fireballs or anything like that.
1: Yeah, but I still don't see it as not fantasy because it's character driven and it's not heavily fantasy. There's still, it's a made up world with a made up race and made up history.
0: Yeah, and I agree. Well, you know, like like you said, it has the and it has a made up religion, and uh, which probably is more like the the tribal the finland would have had maybe before christianity is what my imagine what i'm imagining but the thing is is i don't know for me i think that a lot of it too is, is that for large part portions of the book irian and um Ilun are going to be on their own and we're just going to be like hearing their thoughts as they are going through the forest you know this this wintry forest and for some reason, to me, just, I, under, I I completely understand what you're saying, and that it has all of the fantasy elements, but for some reason it just, it read more like a, you know, like a novelized fairy tale, but, like, just literature to me. I don't know. It just had that feel to me. And I know that, that that's not, uh, that maybe, that's just the way, I'm, you know, maybe that's just the way I'm imagining it, but that's just always the way it felt like to me. Alright. And I understand. And you know what's funny is, is that, uh, like talking about the, um, Mark Lawrence interview that that I listened to uh, about a month ago, he even says that that he's like, you know, sometimes people would, and early on I was worried people would think mine is too much literary fiction and not fantasy, the Broken Empire, because of the way it's character driven instead of story driven. He said that was a fear he had, and I don't know, maybe. But like I said, we can agree to disagree on this. Yep. Um, but you're wrong, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, too, there's there's no real action, air quotes here, for, you know, quite a bit, like, long stretches of the novel because of that, that journey. Um, little things happen here and there, but you are inside their head an awful lot of it. Um, I think that for me personally, I'm glad that I listened to most of it because I do wonder if I would have felt like it got slow at times if I would read some of it, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i didn't have a i mean once again i also listened to it so it, i didn't have a problem but i also don't normally have an issue with things that don't have a lot of yeah physical action
0: yeah so um i think we are pretty good into the uh describing the book um there's a lot to this novel that you just we just can't give the details because it would just ruin so much of um, or it would you know be such big spoilers?
1: Yeah, by the end of the novel, it's a completely different. Like the setup for the next one is going to be a completely different thing, so we can't really go past like talking about twenty percent of the book.
0: Yep, yeah, that's absolutely correct. And the I feel like by the end of the book and it, what's setting up to the next book are way more of a, what I would consider traditional fantasy novels as well maybe what i feel like compared to the start of this which like i said that
1: more literary fiction yeah except that's the one thing about listening to the audiobook is i just wasn't paying attention to how far into it i was i was like oh it's over (laughs) dang it i was ready for more
0: yeah no i know i think that uh i mean this might be a little bit early to say it but i'm actually i i'm really looking forward to book two because i think that book two is going to be way more my style of you know of a novel
1: yeah well and that's there's more by the end there are more characters that you're really invested in and that you've spent a lot of time with and i am really interested in the way they relate in the second book as well yeah so not just even the action
0: yeah so getting into our recommendation phase the whole did we like it um how did it make us feel and all that kind of uh good stuff um, on the Katie, did you like it?
1: Yeah, I really liked it.
0: Yep. And I'm gonna say absolutely, but <laughs> there's a scene pretty early on. I I definitely can't give you any details about it, but I almost stopped reading the book because it hit me like so hard emotionally. I took I say almost a week. I'm pretty sure I took pretty close to that at least off mm-hmm. after I read that scene, and then I went and talked to you and I said, hey, I want you to read this first. Or even you don't have to read this, but if you do, and you tell me, you know, like what you feel about it and then I'll come back and finish the book. Otherwise, I'm not going to make you, Mm -hmm. you know, deal with it. And so once I came back, um, I actually do think that slower pace helped me that not, you know, nothing like too super emotional happened again right away. Yeah. I think if it had, I might have been, it might have been more difficult for me and So I think that there's just always going to be that little bit, like every time I think of this book, the first thing I still think of is that scene. Mm -hmm. And I have that little twinge because of it.
1: And partially because you warned me, partially because I feel like it was foreshadowed within the first two paragraphs and partially because to me it was nowhere near as impactful as the scene at the end of, near the end of fifth season that like literally broke my heart.
0: Oh, I don't know. I, for me, this one was worse personally. It,
1: yeah. And I think it was probably just the perspective of it even. But, um, so yeah, it wasn't as bad for me. And I know some people don't have any issues with that kind of a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and also I want to say one thing, like, I think that part of the reason when you, um, when you, you talked about the broken earth, I think that it didn't, the broken earth scene that's similar didn't bother me as much because I felt like, it was so much more of an epic scope, you know. Mm. S- that in this one, it felt more personal to me than it did in Broken Earth. Mm. Maybe. Anyways, mm. quit talking about that. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, the, the uh the fact that it's it has that more of a like literary feel to me too. Like I said, I think made it feel more personal to me than than some novels. And um. Do you have anything else to say, you know, on the like what you thought, what you liked, and all that kind of stuff?
1: Um, just one of the things I really liked was having the two races and you know, slowly learning about the history and the way the other one worked. It was just to me, it was part of the world building, maybe because they're just a part of it. And I just thought that they were really good characters, and the fact that some of them you even got small glimpses into their points of view really made them all a little bit more real as opposed to just like that guy
0: yeah and now that you want like one thing too that at this point the uh yet and the they are they don't have any interaction with each other so because they are um, so alien and foreign, and even though Irians had his, you know, a fair amount of contact with the Yatmia, it's always been trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. So I think that was actually, like you said, it was a cool way to to be able to to do the the info dump without doing the info dump. Mm-hmm. That as they learned about each other and asked normal human quest or you know normal human inquisitive Yatmia inquisitive questions. <laughs> W they? It non- nothing felt forced, or nothing felt like it. You know, if they asked each other questions, that's the kind of questions I would have asked too. You know, or it yeah. that would have inter- occurred naturally. It's just it was a really. I mean, there's really no question that this book wasn't put together just beautifully, and just tech from you know from a technical aspect, it's a great book. N- I mean, unlike even
1: you, that sentence you just. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know I have my habit of uh starting to say a sentence mm-hmm. having a different train of thought going on from that and then
1: never actually saying n- the point of it just having ma- filler words for <laughs> 10 minutes.
0: <laughs> hey. It's gotten me for through a year of podcasting dear and 35 years of life.
1: Yeah, questionably. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Like, like I said it says more about you though that you married me than me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> was
1: tricked.
0: You were tricked. <laughs> okay, dear. Um. So then, I think we both talked a little bit already about how it made us feel. That, like, it really tugged on its heartstrings for me.
1: Yeah, and it didn't affect me as much, but there were a few scenes in it that were, especially later on, that were actually pretty emotional, too, but not in the same way.
0: Yeah, well... Like I said, I think that this is just it's everything's personal to the characters that it's happening. Like this isn't uh you don't you're not dealing with a massive cast of characters who are inconsequential. Almost mm-hmm. everybody who is involved at least until the very end when you actually have a battle is important to the story. There's not like that there aren't two filler guards that are just that only exist in the novel to be assassinated by the main character. You know what I'm saying? Like no red shirts. There's no red shirts. Yeah. yeah, you care about the characters that are involved, and I think that because there's a you know that smaller cast, that you know that makes it more uh, personal and, and consequential as well. Um, would you recommend it to other people?: Yeah. Anybody that you would or would not? No, Eh,
1: I think it'd be (laughs) fine for most people.
0: Yeah, I think, like I said though, that I would, for me, maybe not my friends that are like real hardcore fantasy people. I would say that the person that I would recommend this to more would be like Casey, Mm -hmm. who yeah, who reads literature as his like that's his bread and butter. You know, I feel like he would be a bigger fan of this novel than maybe someone who is bigger into just pure fantasy mm-hmm. and so kind of like along the way of like i looked at uh Josiah bancroft's books that i would be more likely to just recommend this to the average reader than most fantasy novels katie how would you rate this on a five-star rating
1: probably a four-star it's it's really good it's really well written i really enjoyed the story
0: yeah and I'm going to give it that four star as well. And I'm going to say that I actually think that I'm looking more, like forward to reading book two more. Like I think I will like book two more just based off of the way book one ends. But like I said, I think that the, this is five star writing without a question in my mind as far as the you know the, the, the beauty of the prose. But every time I think of this book, I go back to that one scene right off the bat and where I almost stopped reading and it just casts a little bit of a pall over the rest of the novel for me and my, you know, thought thought process of this. Like, I don't know that I would ever want to go back and reread that part of this book again.
1: Yeah. And for me, it's more that I want to see what happens next. So like the series overall could be a five star. I don't know yet
0: yeah and that's a good thing you know a good way to put it because like looking back you know we talk about with one of the first reviews we did that i went back and reread prince of thorns and was like oh yeah this this isn't the five star book i thought it was in my mind but the series is a five star and i still think that this is a four like a solid four star and as i've said once already the writing itself is a five star to me it's just there's a little bit of slowness to it and that one scene that take that star off of it from me to what I think I think more people will think this is a five star book than would would give it a three star. Mm-hmm. But for you know, but I'm just going to leave it at four and say that it could a series could become a five. The on the main audience and who shouldn't shouldn't read it. Can you already do that. Well, I on who I would recommend oh, it to okay. um, there. Are, I think this is like more for a mature audience but not because of like violence or sex or anything like or language but just because i don't think that too many teenagers as when i was a teenager this wouldn't have been my style of book i think you need a little bit of maturity to really enjoy the slower pace of it maybe yeah i don't know i just don't think that 20 year old me would have cared for this book the way that 35 year old me does i don't know
1: well i mean 20-year-old me couldn't get through Lord of the Rings because it was so boring, but I could read far, like, less interesting things that had less hundreds of pages of walking, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, but, so, but, you know, important to note that if you think you have a young teen who is mature enough to enjoy the novel, you know, it's just fine for them. I don't think there's anything so... Uh, terrible that you couldn't read it you know as a younger person
1: no it's it, fine
0: yep absolutely all well katie thank you for doing this review with me and reading the book and we will be doing uh jade city here pretty quick hmm. Mm-hmm. all right thank you all